Welcome, everyone. My name is Evan. This is Illiterate. My name is Taylor. I watched a movie this week. You watched a movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And so did you. I watched a movie. I actually watched it a while ago. This week, oh. we're doing Parasite. It made history this weekend. It's incredible. It's the first uh, first non-English foreign film ever to win Best Picture. Right. Before we get too deep into it, just want to preface, it's probably best if you haven't seen the film to go and see the film and then come back and listen to this. So we feel that this particular film hinges maybe perhaps on a, on a slight twist and we don't want to be responsible for spoiling your experience of the film at all. So, so real quick, it won for Best Picture, it won for Best Achievement in Directing, and it won for Best Original Screenplay, and it won Best International Feature Film. It was nominated for Production Design, it was nominated for Film Editing. It lost Film Editing to another episode of ours, Ford Ferrari. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, and we'll talk about it later. I loved that it got a Production Design nomination. Yeah. But anyway, it was a winner of four and I, I think I think Bong was just like happy. Was like sealed the deal with directing. He was ready to. He was ready to. And it, he just kept winning awards. Yeah. <laughs> One more awards thing. He has tied the record of most wins in a single night by one person. The only other person to do that is Walt Disney. In 1953, oh, wow. yeah. with documentary feature, a documentary short, a cartoon short, and. They were all different material. Bong Joon Ho won for the same movie. That's in crazy. Awards. Oh wow, that you know? it sets, him, sets him even further apart. Yeah, it's, and it's so interesting that that Walt Disney is the most winningest person in Oscar history. Yeah, and, and he's putting his name on everything. That's how he did it. That's <laughs> <laughs> Bong. Bong got four in one night with one baby. Well, yeah, with one thing. Uh, and this also won the Palm Door at the 2019 Cannes. That was the ignite mm -hmm. on this, and and it's been, had a slow a slow build up until the fall, and finally got released, and then it went away for just a little bit, and then the nominations came out, and it came back out again, and it, it's 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 it will not die. And now that it's won, I'm sure that it, it will it will have a long theatrical release. Yeah. Now, the other thing, this is a South Korean film. It has English subtitles. Ha often these international films have a slow trajectory into America. These artists and creators are very well known in South Korea and very other parts markets. of the world. It's, it's odd to think about how siloed the the markets are. Yeah, and you don't really realize it until you start looking at the numbers. Uh, but it's like it is like living on a different planet. And like it's very, it's very, very siloed off. Let's get into a little bit about how the film came to be. A little bit about Bong Joon-ho, the guy who's winning all these awards, and a little bit about what the movie is based off of. In That's real why life. we decided to do it. We found that it was based on a little thing, and I thought it was so interesting that that this story has has um, inspired a few different things, and and that Parasite was actually had a basis in anything at all, which I don't think anybody knows. So we thought that was worth sharing with yeah. you guys. The real situation: there were two French sisters who were live-in maids who were convicted of murdering their employer's Duh. wife and daughter in Le Mans, France. Uh. <laughs> this was in 1933. These two sisters had a very troubled childhood orphanages. Um, their older sister, Amelia, went on to become a nun in a monastery, but allegedly her father raped her and, and abused them. Oh, Just gosh. a terrible childhood. Oh, God. Strange kids because of it. And they became live-in maids for this family after having a bunch of different random jobs and living a terrible childhood. 
And so, and this is the start of and a lot of parasites questions that maybe go unanswered, but just topics to bring up are about rich and poor. And oh, if yeah. somebody is rich, somebody's poor. And if you become rich, then somebody else becomes poor. And there is always a distinction between the two. The feeding off of each other. Yeah. And, and that's the reason the title is called re- relationship. Parasite as well as the title. And it's because according to Bong in his words, it's about a poor family going into a rich house and it you think it's about the poor family because they're sucking up from them. But he's saying you can also look at it the other way and say that the rich family are parasites in terms of labor. They can't wash the dishes for themselves. They can't drive Definitely. themselves. Definitely. They're both parasites. It's, it's everybody. It is everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it does such a fantastic job of, of kind of a beautiful misdirection there of getting you to side one way. And then the next scene you're siding another way and you start questioning about, wait, hold on. Who's, who's, who's good. good and who's, who's bad. bad. Who's yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you start realizing, you start realizing as the plot continues to get crazier and crazy. Yeah. There's that, more oh, levels. Maybe um, it's everyone, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is a really fascinating place to come to yeah. as an audience. Member. Not a happy ending, but an interesting one, because this is where this conflict is being brought about in France at the time in the thirties are these common folk who are doing this labor, being overworked. They were supposed to work 14 hours a day with a half day off each week. This, though, at the time was seen as normal for house servants. Mm -hmm. They're at the rich people's disposal for most of the day to do whatever they need, a lot like what's going on in Parasite. At a random time on February 2nd of 1933, there was an argument between the older sister and the mother of the household, and they murder her, the mom, and the daughter. The dad that solves was, that. <laughs> the dad was out at a party, comes back, the door is locked, no lights are on, so he calls the police. They Ooh. break in, find them. The most brutal thing possible, cut slashes, their eyes gouged out, oh faces God. smashed beyond recognizing. And so he's like, oh, there was a crazy murder. Like The maids are probably also completely right. wrecked. Yeah. So they go up to the maid's room, their door is locked, so they bust that open, and they're just laying there naked in the bed, what? which a lot of people then thought there was some sort of incestuousness or some sort of sexual strangeness going uh-huh, on between uh-huh. the sisters, but that's not been fully understood or realized. Substantiated. Became a huge trial in this time because they were like, how does this happen? They were working for these people for six years. How did they ravage instantly just like destroy them? Yeah. And then they come out of it, and they're able to talk, and they're able to just be themselves as they were eventually very much the same thing with the manson uh the manson family mm-hmm. how do you take these all american um boys and girls and then turn them how do they you know stab sharon tate how many it's 37 times yeah you know? like how, how does how does the how does the quarterback of the all-american football team at high school turn around and, and do that to a pregnant lady you know that, yeah that was that became very much the center of that case yeah the, the case they had to prove in court Yeah, so the intelligentsia of the time in France is very entranced by this story, and it's a huge high-profile case with lots of reporting and coverage and what's going to happen to them and their mental state. And so it inspires then a lot of works and a lot of – there's been books and plays and movies and an opera made specifically about this subject. And A A beautiful opera. (laughs) A consensus that they came to is this – psychological terminology called shared paranoid disorder where two people inhabit one personality and like the older sister like i said she was much more in charge and the younger one was more reserved when they split up 
because they went in separate jails. The older one was deemed as being more responsible. So she got she was going to be guillotined and then just got life in prison. And the other girl only got 10 years. Mm. And the older one went crazy, tried to gouge her eyes out, went into a straight jacket and then oh my gosh starved herself to death in prison and then the other one lived out her days and somebody found her in like in some uh hospital in France so this is then what in some ways inspired parasite the the classic now classic story of the help taking it Absolutely. out on the upper class and the fallout of that like i said the intelligentsia and the critics and literary works of the time the big one that most people know is just called the maids and it's by this French dramatist, Jean Genet. And this came out in 1947. Mm. So almost a decade after. Sometimes, which I didn't really understand, I couldn't find a reason for it, but men play the role of the two maids really? in this play. Well, and that's for what reason? Part of the, I, I couldn't find yeah, it. Couldn't... It's part of the staging of the direction or what he wished when he wrote it. Oh, that was a possibility that it could oh. be cross-dressed. Interesting. I, and maybe it's Read to show the psychology that, you of will. It. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's very interesting. Um, so based on this thing, like we see this, this situation with the French women became a play. That's also how Bong Joon-ho started his idea for this film, Parasite. He was working on a movie called Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he was working. This is the first collaboration he has with American film and cinema it stars captain america chris evans and unfortunately it was a big to do with harvey weinstein who kept on wanting to cut footage and material and so he had a terrible experience with him but in this time he was encouraged by a friend who was a theater actor to write a play similar to what happens in parasite he had been a tutor for the son of a wealthy family in seoul Mm -hmm. in south korea and uh, he was considering turning that experience and what he knew from it in the stage production. His girlfriend at the time introduced the job to him because she was teaching English for the student. There you go. And they needed a math tutor. So she was like, oh, well, why don't you do it? He said he was horrible at math and tried to fake his way through it and then got fired after only two <laughs> months. So that's something different than what happens in the film. Uh, that girl who introduced him to the job ends up being his wife and is still his wife. Oh, wow. Um, so very personal to yeah, him, definitely. this idea. Oh, yeah. And very core to who he is as a human, yeah. like at all. Like, but he's, like, he's like, part of what you've just said is like exactly how the plot plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after completing Snowpiercer, he writes a 15-page treatment as a film, not as a play, mm. for the first half of Parasite. He knew where it was going to get to, uh-huh. and the halfway point okay. is the big twist. And so... I thought this was crazy. His assistant on Snowpiercer, Han Jin Wan, turned in three different drafts of the screenplay. I read this as well. I he was, finished it up I because if you know. watch the awards, he he gets a co-award with him for the writing. He also got an Good. award no, that's for the great. writing for the screenplay. So he did three different drafts. And then uh, after the next film that Bong Joon-ho made, Okja, he returns to the project and finishes the script and... Han Jin Wan gets credit, and then he was the, also the script supervisor on Parasite, oh according to IMDb. Oscar winner, and got the co-written. So he, the, I mean, that's it's kind of like Christopher. Screenwriter. Yeah, it's kind of like Christopher Nolan, where you just keep using like that's what Bong Joon Ho yeah. is also known for. He uses similar actors and similar people that he's working with. Your confidants, your collaborators, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, the most important thing. So along with him using the same people for a lot of his works, his films all feature 
a few different things, which would be social themes. He's always got some bigger issue at large that's under the surface. Genre mixing, which a lot of people don't like or they're confusing because he does use black humor. That's a much bigger thing in in uh, in South Korean filmmaking. Uh-huh. That's that, and and I think um, Eastern filmmaking in general is way more into genre blending, hardcore than than American audience ever have been, ever, yeah. ever been comfortable <laughs> with. <laughs> Where the first part is a drama, and then it turns into a comedy, and then it's a horror thriller. It's yeah. everything, baby. Yeah, they can be. I mean, it's just it's just another big cultural difference. But yeah. this one does it in such a beautiful way. This mm-hmm. one, I mean, really, I mean, the way that it is everything all at once, all at the same time. Uh, it's it's pretty staggering the tone of this film. Yeah, and so not only does Bong Joon Ho for a lot of these films write the scripts, but he storyboards everything himself with dialogue. And from one of the actors that was in Okja, he said he gave us like along with the script, the storyboards, and it was like a fully bound book, like a manga comic book where you're just like, oh, this is the movie. Oh, yeah. And you're yeah. just reading it out. I'll post a link oh, that'd be beautiful. to some of the pages of his storyboards for Parasite. And you're like, yeah, this is just like a comic book where it's got the frames oh, and the space man. in between and what dialogue needs to be said. I when. love that. I want to see that. Yeah. And so it, just for a little bit of film terminology, he doesn't shoot coverage, which coverage is... Coverage is making sure that you have um, different takes to go back and forth for a, a particular one scene. You can go from different vantage points to you can get dip, the same line from different angles. Right. Because he has exactly what he wants. He doesn't shoot any coverage. He's just like, this is... This exactly how I want to see it. Yeah. So there are no other takes. There are no other angles. We're not doing a close up and then a far away one and then one from over here and then one where we're zooming in. He just has the one. And we'll figure out how it goes together later. No, he's like, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And this he knows how exactly this is how why it's we're going doing to this. Be. This is what this scene, this is the whole purpose for this scene and it can only be done this way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll post a link because I found an interview with his editor, Jinmo Yang who has edited some of his other works. And it's like, well, then what is the job of the editor? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, that would, I, I get that, but I, it's definitely a, a big overstep. The editor has I mean, an, an yeah. incredible amounts of, of, of work to do on, on something like this. So even when the most planned out, uh, the editor is still in there trying to figure out exactly where the cuts do in her life. Cause spoiler alert, it's not actually one big winner and these things are it's not actually magic so yeah. the, somewhere there are seams and that is where these people really yeah. have put in the times to make sure you don't see them well so, i thought it was interesting because in the interview jin mo yang is saying he's like yeah because it's all so planned out he is just concerned with the minutest level of pacing and timing and cutting mm-hmm. off shaving off an eighth of a second here before they switch to the next scene or one of the biggest things is a montage in the middle of the film, and it's like 60 different shots in two minutes, and it's so perfectly spaced out, building up the tension. Yeah. And you can spend the time to do that, and that's what this film is also lauded for, is how well put together it is, whether or not you like the story or whatever. It's like it is well timed out, and that's because the editor is able to take 90% of his effort <laughs> in just getting the little bit just the little fractions of the the fractions of the just the snippets at the end mm-hmm. that's where the, that's where all of the time is spent and these people spend ungodly hours making these things possible yeah. i mean they really 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 do yeah the other thing that was spent ungodly hours making possible for this and Evan teased it is the set design when i saw that it was nominated for production design i jumped and screamed 
yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then I heard some people going like, I don't get it. Why? This production design is integral to the center themes of the film. Everything about this film uh, is planned with such meticulousness. Everything you're seeing, every room they're in, every structure they're on, every street they're walking has some other use, some other metaphor it's trying to convey about who these characters are and their place in society. Yeah. And production design is, as Evan said, everything else. It's not the camera work. It's not the actors. It is everything you physically see and can tangibly touch. All of it. All and, of the And it's all fabricated for this film. Almost all, there's a very, very few number of actual legitimate like locations out yeah. in the world. This most of these things were built and purposed directly for getting specific shots off that you would just take off that you just see in the film and, and go, oh well, how beautiful they would they find this house. No, no. They built the house. Yeah, they built the house. They put it on that hill because that's where the sun comes <laughs> up over that hill so that they can get so that you can see the sun peak over the rich house. <laughs> they built that house on that hill specifically so that you could get that shot at that time of day. Yeah. And everything that that even says about seeing daylight over you entering steps going up to the house there the the people that are coming to work at this place they live in a base a basement they come out of their house they go up steps to the street all of that is intentional all of that is so well woven into this story that you take it totally for granted which is exactly what production design is supposed to do it's you're not supposed to really see it it's yeah. not it's not tangible and that's the hallmark of good production design because yeah. it's subtly telling you cluing you into what's really going on the i'll post a link to an article which i found where they interviewed the production designer yiha jun and that like they had to learn architecture like mixing architecture with set design because in a film it doesn't have to follow the rules but like the main house was the home of an architect in the story Right. So they can't be fooling around. <laughs> Architects wouldn't believe. And then similarly, like if they're redesigning the whole alleyway that gets flooded, you need to fool people in South Korea that yeah. that's an actual yeah. alleyway in South Korea. So the article is actually in architecturaldigest.com oh, really? or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it's, I, I, it's palpable when you know that it's all created for the purpose of the film, that it didn't just exist and they didn't just shoot this on location. Yeah. When you realize that, it becomes a a massive a massive achievement yeah. um and i think that's why if you're confused with the the nomination for production design look at it look at it again go watch the movie again and know that everything you're seeing has been created for the purposes of the film that it doesn't actually exist in real life yeah so also <laughs> in terms of being intentional about this stuff we were pretty intentional in our previous episodes of trying to find things that we thought would then become we were, valued in the filmic community. We're, we're particular about what we do for an episode. And so we, we, when we find something that we that we really feel like is adding to a conversation or we find something that is, exemplifies maybe another side of it, you know, we, we're, we're trying to not take negative looks at things. But like we, we did a cats episode, but it was not just about trashing cats. We're trying to look at it from all sorts of different angles. So a lot of the stuff that we have done was also in the Academy Awards but yeah, we were all over the we were all over the Oscars yeah. here. Um so it was kinda it was kinda cool after doing a whole a whole year of the show 
not really known taking risks like something like the boys it was a last minute thing but that ended up being a big player uh it was kind of a revered thing you know we we aren't sure all the time so it was kind of cool to sit back at the end of the year and go hey we 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 called that that was cool we we had our thumb on the pulse so um, but i was curious after thinking about all this then who what is the oscars who's in charge of this who picks cuz there's all this controversy about that and then awards in general and then also literature awards which i feel like people know even way less about yeah the nobel prize the yeah. pulitzer prize what does that even mean who's in charge of that and why are they winning and so what as are they we winning? do <laughs> so here we are the academy awards started in 1929 at the very start of film when it very <laughs> you know the first breath the of filmmaking they're like right we're gonna have gate. some awards the reason lewis b mayer of metro goldman mayer studio system the whole point of it the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences was designed to mediate labor disputes without a union. He was like, if we create an organization that goes in between the people that we're hiring and ourselves, then they won't form a union. Genius. And then they were like, well, what else can we do it's to like keep a smoke them- show in yeah. front of the money? What else can we do to keep them occupied? Well, let's uh, let's make an awards ceremony so that they're fighting over each other for how great they are. And he literally, that is, that is the honest to God reason is they didn't want to form unions. Uh, Lo and behold, the director's guild and the actor's guild comes about five or six years later. So it's like, it didn't work, but (laughs) the awards part of it carried on and took different meanings throughout the years. But that's the original purpose of it was money. (laughs) Keep them from, keep them from forming union money. It's just dancing some little, some little like cat toys out yeah. there for him like yeah 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 oh look it's a smoke show look isn't that yeah. great oh, ha, 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 ha. and so yeah, that's the big don't, don't 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 know anything about your money that you're not getting <laughs> yeah and that's the big criticism nowadays and i think that that resonates even from back then is like it's not about it's not the people's choice awards it was always the awards by filmmakers for filmmakers and this kind of in circle commune absolutely it's always been set a up for door kind of it's always been who's in the party already. So yeah, and so that's why it's so yeah. great that somebody like Bon Joon Ho won <laughs> because yeah. he never thought he would. I mean, and nobody saw the sweep coming. Like people thought it was incredible that he got nominated, that that the film got nominated at all. But I mean, and I he know even said, that, but. He, yeah, he even said in an interview, the Academy Awards are very local, referring to they're very much the U.S. Like his uh, his second film, Memories of Murder, which came out in two thousand three, which was huge. In South Korea, it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Lighting at the Grand Bell Awards, which is South Korea's version of the Oscars. Oh, wow. So he's like already made it there. You know what I mean? Like Very established. Yeah. He's a, he's a world filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but the Oscars, and that's why it's less diverse and less what people think it should be now is because it never started out that it way. It was never that. <laughs> yeah. And as far as the membership, who votes? Nobody really knows. It's around 6,000 people. They keep who's in the academy secret. And the eligibility changes every year, thankfully, because they're trying to make it more diverse. They have done a lot as of yeah. recent to try and you know combat the, the, the lack of diversity in the nominees. But I think, and we probably touched on it in the show, that I think, again, that this is that the award shows are just are just symptoms of the problem. The award shows are only able to give out awards to the movies that are getting made. So I would, yeah, 
I would hearken to say there's a lot of scripts out there with a lot of great diverse characters that are just not getting made. That's yeah. really what I think is the problem. It's not who gets the awards. I, there's only so much work that actually gets to this level, to be quite honest. Or the recognition. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he's made over half a dozen films already internationally. He's 50 years old. He, you might even call him an established filmmaker, just not in America. Just not in America. And that's just not in America. And it's an interesting thing too. And 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 it's so it's so fascinating to see how our the the local industry has a kind of grip on our view of even our own artists. Because yeah, in uh, just real quick, an example of this is John Carpenter, the, the very very famous uh, uh, horror director. Did Halloween, The Thing, uh, countless others, The Fog. Um, he is considered an auteur in every other major country that has like major big arts yeah. and he is considered an auteur like a, a a grand master at filmmaking in the u.s and in the american culture not really unless you're going to horror conventions yeah uh, people don't really know him but he everywhere else is a very very respected filmmaker that is revered as absolutely <laughs> the pinnacle of what a director can be but just yeah. not in the u.s and i think that has everything to do with the business the industry locally mm -hmm. It's very interesting that Boom John Hu says it's very local. I think that's yeah. actually very yeah. <laughs> that's a very succinct way to put it. <laughs> I love that. And so this is what we're finding is most of these awards things are based on where they are and who came up with them. And then that's who gets the awards. Oh, so look like, at that nepotism. <laughs> who would have known? <laughs> yeah. Onward to the literature awards. The Pulitzer Prize, I knew nothing about. It is the US only. Was started and given out by Columbia University, mm. and Joseph Pulitzer is the guy who started it. <laughs> he was a famous newspaper publisher. 1917 was when it was started. Center It centers on America and American issues. Mm. And so for like the autobiographies or the biographies, it has to be about someone that did something for America. Oh, the, okay. the, the novels and whatever, it has to or should deal with American culture in some way. I didn't know that. So that's kind of that. It was he... As a newspaper person, competed with William Randolph Hearst, which then Citizen Kane is kind of based on him, like the big newspaper conglomerate. So Pulitzer right. had the New York World and Hearst had the New York Journal, and they competed on each other and got in a lot of trouble for yellow journalism, which is presenting salacious stuff without all the facts and whatnot. So it's interesting that then he tries to remedy his own problems and absolve himself of that by creating an award that celebrates good journalism and writing and literature. <laughs> Got him. After his death, it was in his will. He's like, I'm going to donate all this money to these awards and it's going to be named after me. So nobody nah. remembers me <laughs> as the guy that published a bunch of fake nonsense. <laughs> Don't be like me. Yeah. <laughs> what an amazing, uh, what an amazing outro. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> so the award itself, like I said, is it mostly focuses on reporting and journalism, but there are some for literature. Uh, the award average, there's some that get a little bit more, a little bit less. But if you win one of these, you get $15,000, you get a medal, you get a certificate. I thought it was interesting that in this year, 2020, they added one new category, which is the Pulitzer Prize for audio reporting. Mm. Because of the proliferation of podcasts. Yeah. Hey, look and at that. audio journalism. It's growing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Actually be recognized like that. Yeah. On so that kind of platform. Wow. You could win a yeah, you could now win a Pulitzer Prize if you if you had some really good audio journalism. Like 
like this. <laughs> well, we're <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on to back to international stuff. Mm. So that's U.S. stuff. Then internationally, this is where the Nobel Prize comes in. And this is a Swedish prize started in 1901, but it's to an author from any country. What's different is it's for a person's body of work. So they have to have done a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. over time, and then they win it. It's not just one piece like these other awards. I see. The people who vote on this, it's 18 members of the Swedish Academy, which is this thing that was founded in the 1700s by Swede- by the Swedish king. They're members for life, and they're approved and voted on and then confirmed by the king. Oh, really? So even more insular. But they do- Do we ever find out when they change members? They should publicize Probably. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do- uh they changing do- on the god of the Nobel Prize today. <laughs> 406 here in the United Kingdom. We're watching as the tower changes. One of 18. <laughs> gone from this earth. But like they, the what- Pope. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) The Nobel Prize (laughs) committee goes through another revelation this year. Well, they did have some scandal recently in the late 2000s because of some sexual misconduct, like everything else. Oh, no. They got kicked out. But they do, they call upon hundreds of various literary critics and scholars to submit their nominations, who then go through a shortlist through these 18 people. Um, So they're not just the 18 people deciding and picking, like they're outsourcing it to other people who are then giving them ideas. Like American Idol. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like American Idol. But again, oh, this is also fascinating with Alfred Nobel. Again, he stipulated in his will that m- his money be used to create a series of prizes for the greatest benefit on mankind. And the five categories are physics, chemistry, peace, medicine, and literature. Oh. We've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize right. more than these other ones. But Nobel, Alfred Nobel bequeathed 94% of his total assets, which when he did it in 1901 was $198 million oh my God. in modern U.S. dollars. Jeez. The reason he did this, most people don't know him for this other stuff, but he was a warmonger, essentially, like oh, Tony God. Stark. Oh, he man. was the inventor of dynamite. Oh, no. And like nitroglycerin combining with other chemicals. His brother died in France, and they thought it was him, so they published an obituary, and he read his own obituary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it stated, quote, the merchant of death is dead, and went on to say, quote, Dr. <gasps> Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Oh, my gosh. And so Alfred Nobel never had a wife or children. And he was like, I don't want this if this is going to be how people remember me. It was, buddy. That's the road you were on. Wow. Wow. So then he was like, I want to do something good. And so this is where this award came about. Oh, man. And all his money. That's incredible. Is given to supporting physics, chemistry, peace, medicine, and literature. Good, good, good. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I really had no idea. Responsible for endless death, <laughs> and then, oh my god, real. Oh. And how serendipitous that that is. I mean, not good that his brother died, but that they published the wrong obituary. Yeah, yeah. You, how often do you get like a wake up call like that? Like <laughs> it's just, like a Christmas Carol. It, moment. Really? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like magic. Who gets such an overt overture to them? Just like maybe change your ways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now he's not remembered for that at all. Not at all. He's remembered for peace. 100%. Oh, he saw, oh, that's what he saw. The only way I can change this all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to top Pulitzer. myself. I got to get bigger than death, baby. Yeah. 
I gotta go for knowledge, peace, and prosperity. <laughs> yeah. Um, the prize money is a lot more. In 2011, it was about a million dollars mm. for winning this. As we said, it kind of depends on who is voting. And so because this is a Swedish literature prize, there are way more authors and their body of works who are European. Mm-hmm. And there are more Swedish authors than all of Asia or Latin American authors. Oops. Oops. So you can kind of tell <laughs> there's a bit of a bias. They ain't saints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. I mean, you see it everywhere. Yeah. It's in everything. But that's it's, the awards. You know, that's the that's, that's the fiction how, and the, it's the name of the game. Yeah, and the Nobel Prize. And that's why Parasite <laughs> was so big this year is because swept in all different categories. One particular guy, something the Academy has not seen before. If you didn't know anything about the Academy or why people were interested or shocked, this is why. It's honestly best case scenario because they're they're just looking at so much just like a cacophony of just like hate. <laughs> just like you don't do enough to recognize people. You don't do enough to recognize them. again. And I look at it from the like, well, it's really just like what we're given, guys. Like, come on, we can make better movies, can't we? Um, but dude, I think there's nothing else to say other than wow yeah <laughs> you know there's there's not a negative side of this when so i really i really love it but i honestly i i did not think it was possible so when it did man the roar uh in the room i was in uh with with my friends uh i think i'll remember that roar for some time because it was just something we did not think possible yeah so hopefully you've already checked it out if you're listening to this if not we didn't spoil too much. Go check it out. Or tell us what you thought. Yeah, let us know what you thought. Shout out. At IlliteratePod on Instagram. And we'll catch you next time.